Any jokes? Yes? Okay, all right, there we go. Okay, that was interesting. Segue? All right, your salads will be coming around shortly. All right, so um, John chapter 15, down by verse 9-ish. All right, if you're there, say amen. amen. Oh, come on. I know some people are away and absent, but come on, are you there? Amen. All right, you've got God's words in your hand. I mean, you don't want to hear from me, you want to hear from him. All right, and, and uh, you know, after you build a house, lay the framework, you know, plumbers come in, you know, the wires are run, all that PVC stuff is done. After you build a house and do all that stuff, you need to insulate it, right? And you insulate the house so you can keep the good stuff in and the bad stuff out. So, you know, if you watch and you see people maybe in your neighborhood, perhaps they're building, after the house is framed, and they do all that stuff with the open walls, like the electrical and the plumbing and all that stuff. You insulate the exterior walls uh, because you want to keep the warmth in and you want to keep the cold out. And in Matthew chapter 16, you don't have to flip there. Jesus Christ tells his disciples, I will build my church. He's building something. Even here today, he's building something. He's not done yet. And uh, he spent now three and a half years with these disciples by the time we're in John chapter 15. And for those three and a half years, Jesus Christ has been laying this groundwork. He's been like erecting the frame with his disciples about who he is and why he came and where he's going. And in that upper room now, he's getting ready to say goodbye. And Jesus Christ knows as he's getting ready to say goodbye, he knows what's coming for them. He knows the hardships they're about to face. So what does the Lord give his disciples to insulate them from the world? I mean, what does the Lord offer us as disciples to keep his warmth in, you know, that fire burning in our hearts and this cold world out? And in John 15, verse 9, you see what it is. He says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You see what he's saying there? Jesus Christ points to the insulating power of his love to keep us joyful, to keep us going. Because the world wants to steal that. The world wants to put a chill to that. And in an evil world that hates Jesus Christ and hates anyone who follows Jesus Christ, God's love is our insulation. That's our insulation. You can't isolate yourself. I know you got dreams of that bunker in Idaho. You want to harvest rainwater and live off the grid? Fantastic. I just don't see that anywhere in the Bible. We're supposed to be salt and light. You can't be salt and light if you're 50 miles from the next human being. And so you can't isolate yourself, but you can do what the Bible says. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jude verse 21. And so I'd like to talk to you today, if you're looking for a title, God's Insulating Love. And that's what the disciples will need then. That's what disciples will need now. Because brethren, 
They are some cold days to come. And I don't mean when they turn off the heat in this auditorium, but there are some cold days to come in this cold, wicked world. What's going to insulate you? God's insulating love. Let's pray and then we'll dive on in here, okay? Father, we love you today. We thank you today. We praise you today. We bless you today. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, you might direct us, Father, into your perfect understanding. Lord, we, we want to have the heart of that song. Speak, O Lord. Speak. Your servants are listening, Lord. If someone is not saved, may they get saved and call upon you today. But I suspect most of us know you as Savior today, Lord. So, Lord, draw us nigh. Warm our hearts. Let the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts be a burning and a shining light. Let us be like those disciples that said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? Lord, open those scriptures to our understanding. I ask it, Father, strengthen your saints. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, right there in John chapter 15, here's the first thing I want to say to you, and hopefully this is encouragement to you. You know God loves you the same way he loves Jesus Christ. You see how few of you believe that? (laughs) But in Christ, God loves you the same way he loves his son. Just one more time with feeling. God loves you the same way he loves Jesus Christ. You say, where do you get that from? Read verse 9. You want an English lesson? You want a little help? You want to understand what a simile is? Shall I unpack it for you? The explicit metaphor known as a simile? You want me to doll you up with some $5 words? There it is. It's a simile. He says in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. (laughs) As means same. Right? As is one of the most important words in your Bible. You know that? One of the smallest words is one of the most important words. God says, I have spoken by similitudes. And God's always drawing comparisons. He says, you want to know what God's love is like? It's the way I've loved you. And God loves you the same way he loves Jesus Christ. The same love the Father showed to Jesus Christ, that's the love that Jesus Christ shows to you. That means that the same way God loves Jesus Christ, that's the same way God loves you in Christ. you got to start believing it. Start telling your dumb head that that's the truth and everything else is a lie. And in verse 9, he says this at the end of the verse. He says, continue ye in my love. When you, as a disciple, lose sight of that love, God's love, you won't be able to continue. You're going to quit. You're going to burn out. You're going to fail. Your faith is going to fail if you stop believing that God loves you the same way he loves Jesus Christ. And, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by what? We walk by faith, not by sight. You know, they had that silly slogan, America runs on Duncan. You know, if you're a Starbucks person, please don't correct me. I know those are the two camps. I don't drink coffee. That's probably explains a lot of things. But I'm afraid if I drink coffee, I might shoot off like a rocket ship. But America runs on Duncan. But you know what? Your faith runs, your walk runs on faith. You can't do anything For God, with God, unto God, if it's not motivated by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, because we walk by faith. That's the engine of your walk. That's what turns the wheels of your walk. So what fuels the engine? What keeps the faith machine turning so you can keep on walking with God? Galatians 5, 6 says, faith worketh 
by love. You see, faith is the love is the fuel that powers your faith. Why should you trust God? Because you know how much he loves you. Why should you believe on Jesus Christ who died on that cross? For as you know, God so loved the world. God commended his love toward us. Here in his love, not here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, right? You understand that you could believe God because he nailed his son to a tree. And you say, wow, if he loved me that much, I guess I could trust him with my sins. If he loved me that much, I guess I could trust him with my marriage. If he loved me that much, I guess I could trust him with those fears and doubts and anxieties that keep me up at night. Hey, it's love that fuels your faith and it's faith that turns the wheels of your walk. Now, the more that means, I'm saying all that to say this. Already getting too excited, all right? Already getting too excited, Mary. All right, the more you learn about God's love for the Son, the more fuel you can have for your faith. The more you meditate upon how much he loves Jesus Christ, which is how much he loves you in Christ, that can give you some fuel to keep on walking, to keep on stepping for the Lord, to keep on going. Continue ye in my love. So I want to look at some things about what does God say about that special love he had for the Son which he has for every son in here in Christ. Go to John chapter three. There's actually only two times that he talks about the father loving him in the book of John. John, Actually, in all the gospels, he only talks about these things two times. John chapter three, verse 31. It'll tell us what kind of love the father has for the son, which is the kind of love God has for you. John three thirty-one. the Bible says, this is John the Baptist probably speaking. He says, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven, as Jesus, is above all. That means he's God. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all Things into his hand. You say, what kind of love does the Father have for the Son? What kind of love does the Father have for you? It's a giving kind of love. The Father, the Bible says right there, hath given all things into his hand. The Father gave the Son everything. And can we relate to that, any of the dads in the room? I mean, what halfway decent father does not want to give his son everything he's worked for? Doesn't want to give his son the very best. Doesn't want to see his son or his child do better than he does. There's something wrong with you if you don't want to see your child do better than you. I want to see my children go further, go farther, love God more, succeed more, do better in school, do better in life, do better with God. I want them to do better than than this idiot right here. Right? And God the Father says, I've given everything into the Son's hand because it's a giving kind of love that he's got. You know, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus makes this statement. You ever get like a, ever people give you like a backhanded compliment? It's like they compliment you, but then you're like, wait a minute, what did they say? You know, it's like calling somebody pretty ugly. You know, it's just like one of those things like, what did you just say? But it says here, if ye then being evil 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more should your heavenly father? And on the one hand, you're like, wow, what a great God. I'm like, did he just call me evil? <laughs> yeah, he says, even an evil louse of a dad knows how to provide and give things to his kids. And Jesus looks at them and says, you guys are evil. If you guys are evil and know how to bless your children, how much more do you think I bless my children? Because it's a giving kind of love. You know, do you think, let me just step on this, this, this stronghold. Do you think the father was stingy with his son, Jesus Christ? You think he like only gave him a little bit or just Jesus had to pry the blessings out of his hands? It says God didn't give the spirit by measure unto him. God gave him everything, right? You think he's stingy with his son? We're going to come back to that, that question in a second. You know, in Psalm chapter 2, it records a little exchange between Jesus and his father. You know what the father told the son in Psalm 2 verse 8? He said, hey, ask of me, and I shall I give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. You know what he's saying there? Hey, son. Ask me anything. Ask me for the world, and I'll give you the world. Ask me for the Gentiles, I'll give you the Gentiles. Jesus Christ could ask his father for the world. You know what the father did? He gave it to him. You guys, you part of the world. You know what? You are Jesus Christ's inheritance. He got saved, and you're part of his crown. You're part of his inheritance. He asked for it. God says, you want him? I'll give him to you. That's the relationship they had, because it was a giving kind of love that the father had with the son. And as a dad, I could say this, and many of you could say it as well. A man will work and toil to leave his son a better life, won't they? Even an evil dad, nine times out of 10, will work and toil to give a better life to his children. You say, how'd the father do that? He's giving his son the kingdom. You think he's not giving Jesus Christ anything? He's given him the kingdom for a thousand years. His son, it's all going to be yours. I've given it all into your hand. Why? Because it's a giving kind of love between the father and the son. But let me just press this thing, because I know Satan's got a stronghold on you right now. Let me press this. If God loves you in Christ, I'm pressing it. You see that? I'm pressing it. If God loves you in Christ the way he loves Jesus Christ, why would you think he'd be stingy with you? Because I know you think that way. Because sometimes I think that way. We think the blessings and the help are in some magical box and I got to somehow climb the Himalayas of faith to maybe get me a little bit of a blessing and some help from God. And God says, I wasn't stingy with my son. You think I'm going to be stingy with you? Right? Oh, I'm touching on some strongholds. I can feel it. All right, go to Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. I know you're used to maybe the preacher just always beating you down, and there's a place for that, but I'm not trying to beat you down right now. I'm trying to lift you up by shaking you out of your deception. Look at Romans 8, 28. Remember the Father said, I've given all things into the Son's hand. Remember that phrase, all things, all things. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. 
For whom he did foreknow, didn't predestinate, he foreknew the ones that would get saved. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. God said, if you get saved, I'll predestinate you to be conformed to the image of my son. He did salvation wasn't predestinated. The conforming was predestinated. God said, you get into Christ, you're going to be like Christ. That was decided before the foundation of the world. And he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did, notice it's different. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Wow, you're going to be just like Jesus Christ one day. Woo! All right. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Does that sound stingy with you? That one day you'll be like Jesus Christ? I mean, people watch videos. Oh, I want to be like, you know, what's, who's the influencer? Who is he? Who's the lifter? Who's the guy, Christian? Sam Sulek. I want to be like Sam Sulek, you know. I want to put this hat on and take enough steroids that my zits pop out all over my face and I'll never have children, you know. But look at me, you know. Look at my wingspan, you know. Look at that, you know. You know, not on me, but look at him. And guys will look at that and check that out. They watch a movie star, you know. I want to be like that guy. They watch this, you know, this music person, this, this, this icon, this idol. I want to be like that. You're going to be like Jesus Christ one day. I mean, who's, who's, who's better than that? Who's above that? You know, you're going to have the mind of Christ. The, you're going to be conformed to his image. We won't go into what that means, but you'll be conformed to his image. So then he says, hey, 31, what shall we then say to these things? <laughs> Let's think about that for a second. Let's just consider if God be for us, who could be against us? <laughs> I mean, if God's got that lined up for us, what are we worrying about? 32 is the keynote verse right there. He that spared not his own son, you know, he didn't spare any of the wrath, any of the pain, any of the judgment. It's not like God like dumped a little bit on Jesus and saved the rest for you. He put all of his wrath, all of his anger, all of his vengeance was poured out upon his son. His son was cut off out of the land of the living so much that he would cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Me! The one who was always bringing you pleasure. You forsook me. The one who always did those things that pleased his father. You forsook me. The one who always walked hand in hand with his father in perfect fellowship from before the foundation of the world. Me, you forsook me. Why? I'm looking at the reason. You're the reason why he was forsaken. And it says right there, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. That word how is the most important word in that sentence because God's saying, how could we understand the cross and ever think God is stingy with us? He's saying it's almost insulting to the father. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If my son died in war to free you, how dare you think I wouldn't give you five bucks? Well, I can't ask him for five bucks. I mean, his son. Now, religion has fooled you. Religion has told you, well, he died on the cross, but you can't talk to him. He died on the cross, but you can't go right to him. You got to go to a saint. You got to go to a priest. You got to go to his mother. God's saying, what's the matter with you? I put my son on the cross to make the way. How do you not think I want to give you everything because of that? You can come right to him because of that. You can come boldly because of that. What 
Brethren, I'm saying to you what I say to myself, what is wrong with us that we think the Lord is holding something back from us? Let me just press that again. What's wrong with us that we think God's a miser, that we think God's stingy, that we think God's greedy, that he's got all his blessings locked up in a room somewhere and he's not going to give them to little old you until you grovel and plead and show yourself worthy. Are you his son today? Are you washed in the blood today? Are you in Christ today? He's not stingy with you. You know, the fact that there is that thought permeating the room that God might be stingy, I have to ask myself, didn't the Lord tell Adam of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat? He said, Adam, it's all yours. The bounty and the glory and the, and the plenty, it's yours. And in the same vein, wasn't it the serpent who seduced man into thinking God was being stingy? So if you're sitting here today holding on to a stronghold that you think God's keeping something from you and he's stingy and aloof and far off, what spirit are ye of? The Holy Spirit says, hey, God gives you everything freely. The devil says, oh, no, but he didn't give you that. What spirit are ye of? When the God of this world wants to make the Lord seem cold, you know what you got to do? Insulate yourself with his love. Remind yourself of his promises. Let God be true and every man a liar. Go to Psalm 84. Go to Psalm 84. Go to Psalm 84. Come on, man. Do some brain surgery on yourself. Get yourself a good brainwashing right now. And cast down those imaginations. Because God is not stingy with his children. It's a giving kind of love. Let that insulate yourself. Listen. The same God who gave Jesus Christ all things, the Bible says, giveth us richly all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He says, you're rich today. So I don't feel rich. You see my car? You got the wrong perspective. You're looking the wrong way. I don't feel, I'm hurting today. I'm sick today. You're still missing it. God says, you see things my way, you'll see how rich you are. God's just trying to get you to see things his way. When you see things his way, the eternal way, because in 50 years, nothing you're worried about today will matter. In 100 years, nothing you're worrying about today will matter. I can guarantee that. I got some teenagers that's in there. I'm going to live 50 more years. Okay, in 100 years, nothing you're worried about today will matter. All your complaints will be useless and moot. God's blessed us richly. Psalm 84 says this in verse 11. Psalm 84, 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Sun is a life giver. Shield is a life protector. He's both. The Lord will give grace and glory, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. If you're going to continue, you've got to continue in that love. A love that wants to bless, a love that's not stingy, a giving kind of love. For God so loved the world that he gave, why would he stop after the cross? Can I ask you this? What good thing do you need today? You say, well, I want that million dollars. Well, he may not give you that. Well, I want that you know, spouse yesterday. He might not give you that yesterday. But the good things you need, he'll give you that abundantly above all that you ask or think. 
So what good thing do you need today? Do you think the Lord won't give it to you? Why? Who's convinced you of that? You need strength? God says, I'm, a, I'm your strength. You, you need strength? Do you? Anybody need strength today? Hey, you think he won't give you strength? How come you're not asking him? You need some hope? You need some courage to believe God? You need some comfort in trying times? You need some faith that'll move mountains? You need some wisdom? Ask your father. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But we don't ask because we think God's stingy. We don't really want to ask him because we think God's just a miser like Ebenezer Scrooge in the beginning of A Christmas Carol just sitting there counting his shekels, right? No, God's like, hey, man, here's the keys to the treasure vault. Go get what you need, son. You got to pass. You're my child. You are part of this kingdom. It's yours. The Bible says all things are yours in Corinthians. Think about that. Now, the Lord may not give you everything you want, but he'll give you everything you need. I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that, man. I'm, I'm convincing you as much as I'm trying to convince myself. God's not stingy. It's a giving kind of love. Oh, it would be good for you just to count your blessings. Those of you that walked in here upright, breathing on your own, reading on your own, hearing on your own, walking on your own, talking on your own, understanding the Bible on your own, washed in the blood, able to understand the things of God, able to comprehend the depth and the riches that he's got for you, the fact that you might sit next to a loved one here today, you should do well to kind of just count your blessings and get on God's page and stop believing the devil's lie that he's kept something from you and there's this forbidden fruit just outside the garden that if you just get a bite of that, then your eyes will be open. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God has given you richly all things to enjoy. Look at them, find them, and enjoy them. It's a giving kind of love. But you want to know what else it is? John chapter 5. It's not just a giving kind of love. That's pretty good though, right? The giving kind of love. I like that. But it's more than that. Continue ye in that giving kind of love. But there's another thing he says about that love between the Father and the Son in John chapter 5. He says in verse 17 of John chapter 5, now he's just healed a man right, who was impotent, right, he just healed that weak man who couldn't walk, he heals him in the beginning of John 5, and of course, those pious religious people are just celebrating this miracle, no, they want to kill the miracle worker, they're so jealous and envious of Jesus Christ that they can't even see straight, and in John 5, 17, Jesus just drops a few landmines on their head, you know, sometimes in basketball, you know, we just do one of these, you know, you know, when somebody dunks on you or somebody just uh, too small, you know, when they just backpedal after dunking on somebody. Guess what? Jesus just dunks on the Pharisees right here. And I can see him backpedaling like this. Oh, you know, if he if he was arrogant like me, that's what he would have done. But he's gracious and meek. But that's what that's what I see in my mind. He did. He just went boom and just went like, you know, right there, guys. <laughs> you can't handle this. And he says in verse 17, here, here's the dunk. You ready? He's coming down the lane. He euros a Pharisee and he wheels back and he bumped this one right on their head. But Jesus answered him, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Oh, you know, he just dropped it right there. You know, he just posterized a bunch of Sadducees right there. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. He's saying, by the way, my father and I are one. Boom, just dropped it right, just slipped it right in there and just boom, right on their head. And they're just flipping out. 
Can you tell I like basketball? Right. So, tw- 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. You know what else it is right there? The Lord Jesus, the Father loves Jesus Christ with a unifying kind of love. They were on the same page together. They were working together. They were fellowshipping together. Verse 20, he's saying there, because the Father loves the Son, they work together. Jesus is like, I know what the Father's doing. He's told me some stuff to do. I'm doing what he said. We're on the same page. We're working together. He's showing me all things. That's a That's a together kind of love. That's a unifying kind of love. That's a fellowship and kind of love he and the Father had. You know, in a human way, one of the best ways children bond with their parents, you want to believe it, is not by going to Chuck E. Cheese together. One of the best ways a child bonds with their parents is by working together, by doing something together, being productive together. So let that little one sweep after you when you're sweeping. Let that little one clean the car when you're cleaning. Don't just stick him in front of a screen. You're doing them a disservice. Let them be a part of your life. Cook with you, work with you, walk with you, do stuff with you. That's how you bond. The father is saying, the son is saying, me and the father are like this because we're working together. It's a unifying kind of love. And one of the easiest ways children detach from their parents is they do nothing together. You know, you go off over here and do your thing and run your squads and I'm going to cook and clean everything and I'll call you when it's time, honey, but don't let me interrupt your squads, Ronnie. I know you need about another hour. Okay, I'll just warm it up for you. No, do things together. You do things together. You build those bonds and the father and the son had that bond. You know, you have that bond. God wants to let you in on the yoke. God wants to labor with you. The Bible says we are laborers together with God. Think about that for the rest of your life. I can't work with Bill Gates, nor do I want to. I can't work with, you know, uh, uh, these big wigs. They don't want to have anything to do with me. God wants something to do with you. I got some space in the yoke. Jump in. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come on, let's go do something. Let's go do something eternal. Let's turn your family upside down. Let's turn your world upside down. Let's turn your workplace upside down. Let's turn your life upside down. I can do all things through Christ. He says, let's do this unifying kind of love. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. You want to see that unity right there? I am not going to finish this. 1 Corinthians 2. All right? I may endeavor to, but... 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. All right? 1 Corinthians 2, look at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 2, 12. The Bible says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given. There's that word freely again. Do you know what the devil did first to the word of God in the garden? He said, well, he added to it. No, he didn't. The first thing he did was he took away from it. And you know what word he took away? He took away the word freely. He rolls up on Eve and says, hey, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
the first thing he did was take out that word freely. Because God said, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. You see all these words freely in here? He, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You see how the devil's tricked you? It says right there, he freely, right? That are freely given to us of God. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they have foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth, oh, there it is again, all things. You understand that? You can judge all things. You can figure all things out. You don't have to be in the dark about anything. You say, well, we're not supposed to judge people's hearts. I gotcha. But that says, he that is spiritual judges all things. I may not be able to judge your heart, but I could judge your behavior. I could judge your actions. I could say, you shouldn't be with that one. You shouldn't go do that thing. Why? Because the Bible says, if you're spiritual, if you're full of that book, you could judge all things. Why? Because God wants to make all things known to you. Like he did with the son. With the son, he says, the father shows me everything. You know what the father wants to show you? Everything. He wants to show you everything. That's what he was trying to do in the beginning. The voice of the Lord came down and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam was so lockstep with God that God would say, what do you want to call that one? Rhinoceros. That's right. What do you call that one? Italian. That's right. He's loud. He spits when he talks. That's it. That's the one right there. Right? That's how, that's how close Adam's fellowship was with the voice of the Lord. That's what the devil's always trying to destroy. Because that book there will reveal everything to you. It'll show you how to run your life. It'll show a person how to run a country. It'll show you how to run a business. It'll show you how to run your family. He had given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. You know, I remember being a lost man. You remember what it was like to be lost? I do. I just wanted to know what the truth was. I would talk to philosophers and I'd get into fights with them. Because you know what? It was always inconsistent. You know, if you followed some man's philosophy long enough, it always broke down. It was always inconsistent. It always didn't like comport with the evidence in front of you. Right? It just, it just fell apart. I remember getting in fights with this guy. You know, I got into fights with the deans of my school at NYU. I would get into these existential discussions with them. And I'd be like, but, but what about this? And they'd laugh at me. I get into fights with the Monsignores back at the old school. I'd try to explain, like, wait, but what about this? What about that? Oh, it's okay. Ha ha ha. You just this young illusion fool. And it would kill me. And then I met Jesus. And he was the only one that was who he said he was. There was no inconsistency with him. There was no contradiction with him. Never man spake like this man. And he revealed things to you. I under you read the Bible. You understand the world. John Knox, I think, said, give me a candle and a cave and a Bible and I'll tell you what's going on in the world. I understand what's going on in the world. I understand why people are doing what they're doing. Why? Because I'm so smart? No, I'm not. I've got a Bible. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got God's mind and I can interpret everything. That book has got to be the standard for you to interpret everything. Music, 
clothing, phenomena, measure it up against the Bible, because the answer's in there, because he hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, if it can happen, it's in there. I mean, <laughs> you talk about the globalism of the 21st century. It's in there. Genesis 11, it's in there, right? All that stuff, it's in there. Racial tension, it's in there. It's explained, so I can understand all of it. Cultural, you know, all this stuff going on with culture and people fighting each other. It's explained in there. The answers are in there. You just got to search it out. Why your kids are doing the things they're doing. It's in there. Why you still got anger in your heart. It's in there. How come you don't trust God? It's in there. The Bible says, seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they they which testify of me. Could you give me three verses on what you should do with your money? You're all about making money. Money, money, money. Got to chase that money. You know, got to make that bread. Need some cheddar. Right? You got to do all that stuff. Guess what? I sound like a real boomer now. That was a really boomer. Yeah. But, I, but you got, you're, you're doing that money, right? Money makes the world go round. You say, hey, do you know what the Bible says you're supposed to do with your money? You say, well, I want to have kids and I want to do that. Could you give me three verses on what to do with children? And I look across this room. Most of you have them. If you have children and can't give three verses of what the Bible says about children, shame on you. Shame on you. If you could tell me more about Steph Curry's three-point escapade last night, then you could tell me about what the Bible says about how to lead a godly home. Shame on you. Everybody wants a relationship. I just want a relationship. Just want some together time, some FaceTime with him, some FaceTime with her. I just want to talk to him. I just want to talk to her. Can you tell me any verses of what the Bible says about finding the right person for your life? And everybody's chasing a relationship. Because you're nobody till somebody loves you. That's what the song says, right? And you're chasing it, but you have no idea what God says about it. And God says, I've given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The answers are in here. What to do, what not to do. And you haven't sought it out before the thick of the battle. You waited till you were going through it to scramble. And the fr when the whiz, when the whiz bangs start flying over your head, that's not the time to figure out how to shoot your gun. All right. You got to figure out how to shoot your gun while you're sitting there in the quiet of the academy and understand what to do. If you're sitting there trying to figure out how to shoot your gun while the enemy is shooting fiery darts at you, you're going to get hit. You're going to be sunk. You're going to be bleeding out and be like, huh, what am I supposed to do? It was always in here. The Lord said, have not I written unto thee excellent things and counsels of knowledge? He says, I have written to my people the great things out of my law, and they were counted but a strange thing. Not strange like they're weird. They're foreign to you. Some of you don't know what God thinks because you haven't read what he thinks. This is the mind of Christ. I gotta, if I could get this thing through my thick head by osmosis, I would walk around with this thing on my head. Right? I read a lot of books. I've read a lot of books. They stink. Right? I don't want to read them twice. I'm teaching a class now. I had to talk about postmodernism this week. You know what postmodernism is? It's toilet paper to wipe your brain. That's what it is. That's the equivalent of it. It's garbage. It's junk. It's crap. 
right? These philosophies of 20th century. I got to talk about existentialism. You know, people got to talk about, you know, does essence precede existence precede essence? What are you talking about? What, do you, what does that mean? Does that help your family? Existence precedes essence. What does that mean? How does that help me when my kid's going wayward? <laughs> I need a Bible verse. I need some truth. It's all in there. It's all in there. And look what he says. I have no idea. I just, I got on the thing. But um, he says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. <laughs> Who's going to hold the candle to you when you got the mind of Christ? Amen. David said, I have more understanding than all my teachers because I keep your commandments. Amen. Right? Little old Jew. All you need is a sixth grade education where you could sound out mostly one syllable words. You know what? You'll confound the greatest philosophers of the world. They'll sit there and ask these questions and a 12-year-old was in their midst and they couldn't figure out how Jesus had this wisdom at 12, right? That's the love the Father has for you. Hey, when I was getting up in years, my dad was getting up in years and he was very sick, you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to talk to me about his life. I learned some things about his life. Maybe you're experiencing that, sister, right? You get up there and they want to share things with you. Mom or dad, they want to share things with you. Why? Because there's something about that love. It's a unifying kind of love. They want you to know their mind. They want you to know their heart. That's the Father towards you. He wants you to know his mind. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to understand what he's doing in your life. And they give you the ability to trust him when you can understand. Because what you understand of God will help you, under, help you when you don't understand what God's doing. And in verse 16, here's the, here's the kicker right here. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Right? Who thought this up? Who thought up redemption? Right? Who thought that up? Who thought up the idea of somebody laying down their life for somebody else? You didn't find that in the animal world. You didn't find the gorillas doing that at the zoo. Who thought that up? I'm asking, who thought that up? God conceived that. Who thought up that idea of restoration, restitution, reformation, redemption? Who thought these things up? God conceived these things. He didn't consult philosophy for dummies. and say, oh, this is good. We'll call it salvation. No. God conceived these things. Who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath been his counselor? But you know what he says after that? As as. As, as amazing as God is, as high as God is, as seemingly aloof as God is, you know what he says at the end of the verse? But we have the mind of Christ. As big and magnificent and all-seeing and omniscient and just unbelievable and you, you know, all omnipresent, all those attributes of God that we stand back and marvel at, God says, you know what I'm about. It's right here in the book. You have the mind of Christ. The world scratches their head at you. So much so they consider you a threat. You know, governments of this world consider people that hold to a premillennial literal coming of Jesus Christ to planet Earth, they see you as a scary bunch of people. Because they're trying to take over the world themselves. And you're saying, no, no, there's another king coming whose name is Jesus. Amen. So you're, you're freaking them out. You should freak them out. You know, you say, how is it going to figure out? Where's it going to happen? I don't know, I just... How'd you know all that? I just read this Bible. Amen. Like little Samuel. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And the Bible says, God revealed himself unto Samuel by the word of the Lord. This is how God shows you all things. Right there. What do you want to know about? What do you want to know about, son? What do you want to know about, honey? Daughter? 
Child, what do you want to know about? I let the son know everything, and you're in Christ. I want you to know everything. You have the mind of Christ. Last verse. I'm going to put a caboose on this. Like Pastor Mel said, I'm just going to end with this verse here. John chapter 16. I got a whole other half of this message. I'll finish it next time, but I don't want to, I don't want to shortchange it. Um, the Lord, I guess, didn't want that. John 16. Isn't that amazing that the same way the Father loves the Son, the Father loves you, with that unifying kind of love? Things don't have to be mysterious, brethren. Things that you don't have to be in the dark. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Jesus said, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You know why some people don't enjoy the revealing, unifying kind of love that God promises them? Because it's going to shine a spotlight on their sin. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We go out on the street corner and we say, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know why there isn't a line of people stopping their cars, pulling over to get saved? You know why? Because men love darkness rather than light. You know why they crucified the kindest, gentlest, meekest, most loving man that ever walked the planet Earth? Because men love darkness rather than light. But if you're sitting here today and you want truth, the Bible says, he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Say, Lord, I'm thinking about this relationship. Let me find out what you say about relationships. Lord, I don't know if I'm saved. Show me what the Bible says about how to be saved. Lord, I'm thinking about having a family. What do you say should be my priorities when I raise a family? Lord, I've got this Christian life that you gave me, and you're talking about going out into eternity. What are you saying I'm supposed to do with this precious gift called life? Is that foreign? That's the love God has for you. He wants to reveal that to you. And in John chapter 16... He gave you his Holy Spirit to let you know what he's doing. Look at John 16. Look at verse 13. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come. He's the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, watch it, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Oh, there's those two words again. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he, meaning the Holy Ghost, shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. We read before in John chapter 5, the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things. That says the Holy Spirit wants to guide you into all truth. Take all the things that Jesus has and show them unto you. That alone, I, I'm telling you right now, I'll, I'll quit very soon because I know you're hungry, but I could talk about that for the rest of the day. 
the fact that God wants to reveal truth to you, that God wants you to understand why you're here today, why you're alive today, what your tomorrow is supposed to be. He'll tell it to you today. You just got to want it. You just got to want to come to the light. The Lord wants to let you know what he's doing. He wants you to know that he's trying to work through you and what he's trying to do through you. Some of you sitting here are so confused. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. You may not understand everything, but you get more and more into that book, you'll understand why. And there's some things we'll never understand. I don't understand why 14-year-old students of mine die of cancer. I don't understand that. I don't get that. But I do know there's one that says, you know, I understand. Like the song says, I know who holds tomorrow. You know what tomorrow's going to bring? You know what's going to happen in the next few years? You know what's going to happen down the road? I do. I know what's going to happen. Some of you are headed for a shock that's going to make your glasses fall off and your, the hair fall out of your head. Right? When you hear that trumpet sound, when that's coming, God says, I'll show you all about that. You want to know about that? I'll show you 1 Thessalonians 4. I'll show you all that stuff about that. You want to know what's coming? Right? You want to know what God's got in store for you up ahead? You think we're going to sit with a fishing pole? By the celestial river? Oh, no, sir. Get yourself a telescope and point it out up in the outer space and see all that real estate that's yet to be inhabited. Somebody's got to help rule and reign in that kingdom. I'm looking at some of the prospects. You say, where did you learn that from? It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. God says, I'll take all these things I got and show them to you. You say, to whom? God said, to this man will I look. To the one that trembles at my word. To one that has enough respect for the Bible and enough esteem, the fact that God would kiss your soul, the fact that God would kiss your soul by giving you this book. Those people that realize that God kissed their dear soul, that God kissed their soul by giving you his mind, those people, God says, I'll show you everything. I'll rock your world. I'll rock everything. But if you're content with your little daily bread or your little verse at 945, if you're content with that, all right, kids, stay in the sandbox. It's cute. Make me a castle. But if you really want to know God, know what God's doing, he loves you so much that he'll rock your world. He'll show you stuff out of Leviticus that you thought wasn't there. I guarantee you'll read something that you read before and you'll think somebody's changing the Bible. You'll be like, that wasn't there the last time I read it. Who put that in there? Mom, are you editing my Bible? No, it's just this book is alive. This is the mind of God. And you say, you, you really love that Bible. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. And I love the old Bible, precious old Bible, right? I love it, right? This is the mind of God. This is, if I could have my father here, I'd like to hear his mind. I've got the mind of my father in one syllable words. So easy that an idiot like me could get it. And God says, I'm looking for somebody that's just looking to know what I think. Is that you? <laughs> you know what that means? That's God's insulating love. It's a giving kind of love. It's a revealing kind of love. It's a love that says, I'm giving you everything, and I want you to know everything. So when the sun is obscured by the storm clouds of life, you've got to insulate yourself with God's love. Because the storm clouds are coming. gets cold out there. And the world seems cruel. And the horizon looks gray. 
and you're like, what's going on? God, has God forgotten to be gracious? You know what you do? Remind yourself, wait a minute. God said he gave me all things richly to enjoy. Lord, where are those things? God says he would reveal all things to me. God, what does this mean? What's going on? Can I ask if it's a revealing kind of love? What are you wondering about today? What's confusing you? Why don't you stop talking to social media about it? Get off Reddit and read it. <laughs> right? Get off Reddit. Stop scrolling, right? Stop scrolling and start searching. I know I got trapped yesterday. I started and I just had to like, you know, almost break my thumb, right? They've designed it, people. They know how you roll. They know how that little dopamine snap you get when you get a like on your post. They know, they, they, there are people that are engineering and messing with you because they want to social engineer these little mice in the maze. God says, let's break out of the maze. Let's, take, let's get red-pilled, okay? Let's open up the Bible and see what it's really all about, right? So if you're confused today, God's got an answer. You know what you got to do? Don't let the serpent cool your fellowship with the voice of the Lord. Because God may let the serpent into your Eden to see who you'll listen to. Will you listen to his voice, the voice of the Lord, or will you follow the voice of a stranger? God says, my sheep don't know the voice of a stranger. They should know the voice of a stranger. And he loves you so much that he says, listen to my voice. You confused today? You wondering today? You got some doubt today? This book dissolves doubt. Daniel got brought into the kingdom by Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, and they said, you are a dissolver of doubts. Because you know what the Bible does? It melts doubts away. And you go out there on your patio, and you got that ice icing up, and it's slippery terrain. You throw that little rock salt or that sodium chloride, whatever it is, you throw that stuff down, and it just melts that ice away. Guess what? Find yourself some verses, and when the world starts getting cold over you, and you seem like you're all alone, and you might slip, just get in this Bible and watch it dissolve your doubts. That's the kind of insulating love that God has for us. And next time, I want to talk about the opposite. I want to talk about the hate that the world has for you. And how do we take this insulation, get our Holy Spirit staple gun, and put that stuff on our walls so we can be on guard against the world to come, and the evil to come. So let's bow our heads. Thank you for being here today.